Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. This is a message that the church needs to hear. Now more than ever. Again, uh, I'll tell you two reasons why. Number one, growing up, Halloween was my favorite holiday as a kid. Now it sounds weird, but it just, I don't know. I just loved watching the movies. I loved the whole feel of it. I loved the whole, uh, and it was before my, my family was really spiritually enlightened. And so we just did what most people do. We just participated. And this isn't only about Halloween, but I think that if you'll stick with me through this, your eyes will be open to some things. Uh, and other than that, I want to put a picture up. I was walking through Target the other day, and I saw this. Put that picture up. Put the first picture up. This was in Target. This No, the other picture of the book, please. This was called Disney's Hocus Pocus Little Spell Book, right? You would think, oh, that's probably just some cute little thing, like coloring book for, for kids. And, and I saw this. It was sold at Target. And I walked up, and I picked it up, and I opened the first page. And on the first page, there was this, what was called a pledge to secrecy. And it was basically a covenant Repeat after me, and it was pledging them to witchcraft, pledging them to the dark arts, pledging them over to that whole realm in a pledge of secrecy that you have now pledged to enter into this coven of witches that have come before you. You guys, and I began to read it, and I saw very clearly this wasn't cute. This wasn't a joke. This was very real. And in fact, the enemy is going to infiltrate many people, many children's lives, many families, many households through things just like this. And he's doing it. No, but you know, because a lot of people also said, well, what about Target? Oh, I hate Target. Well, guess what? Walmart sells the same book. We looked it up. Walmart's selling the same thing. It's everywhere. This is just one example of a major problem, which you're going to see through this teaching. And so I want to lay a foundation for you. Number one, write this down this morning. Number one, demons are very real. Demons are very real. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, I'm going to try to move along here and get some, some teaching in for a little bit. It says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So that kind of gives you the ranking of the demonic realm. You have Satan. The Bible calls Satan the, the, the Lord of the earth. He's the prince of demons, the Lord of the flies. He's at the top. He's the prince. You have principalities. You have powers. Those are demonic powers that, that govern over entire regions. You see that in the Bible. Uh, Daniel, he encountered a principality that when he prayed to the Lord, the angel tried to come, but he said for 21 days he was fighting with the prince of Persia. It was a demonic principality over that entire region that was preventing the breakthrough that Daniel was, was praying for. 
There's many principalities lifted throughout the, uh, listed throughout the scriptures. And then you have principalities, powers, and then it says evil spirits, which is what we call demons. Uh, another word is unclean spirit. And so I'm going to give you a few facts about demons that you need to understand these things. Here's some biblical facts about demons. Number one, demons are not, say not, ghosts of people who have died. It's what the horror movies try to tell you. You know, you go to some little haunted house from the 1800s, and there was a a woman that lived there in the 1800s, and she committed suicide. And if you walk around at night, you can see her ghost walking around. That's not biblical. Demons are not, unclean spirits are not the ghosts of people that have died. I told you this Wednesday, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die, your spirit doesn't linger around here on the earth, you know. And again, I know I hear Christians say the weirdest stuff, like, uh, yeah, I saw the ghost of my father, I saw the ghost of my grandma. It's not biblical, it's not in the scripture. There was one example of a ghost, quote unquote, Saul consulted a medium And the spirit of the prophet appeared. But if you study any theologian, they'll tell you that that wasn't actually the spirit of that prophet. It was a demon. It was an imitation. And that's that's really what demons will do. They'll take on shapes. They'll take on forms. You'll see certain things, and it's just a spirit of fear trying to get you into fear to come into agreement with that spirit. Are you with me? So, other thing about demons, they're not ghosts of people who have died. They are disembodied persons. I want you to say persons that operate under the authority of Satan. They are disembodied persons. The reason that that's important is when you study out demons, you'll see in the scripture that they're intellectual beings. They can talk, they can think, they can communicate. The Bible actually says in the last days that many will be led astray by the doctrine of demons. So as I tell you, a demon can actually get behind a pulpit and teach the church. They're intellectual, they're persons, but they're disembodied persons. And so you need to understand this about uh, demons is that they cannot operate in the material world except through possession of bodies of men or beasts. So basically, what do demons try? What are these evil, unclean spirits trying to do on the earth? They're trying to possess. They're trying to embody a person. And that's why when you deal with somebody that's demonized, you may actually say these words. Man, you know, I was talking to my aunt, and all of a sudden, she just started raging, and it was like she was a completely different person. You know what? She actually was, because what you're dealing with in that moment isn't your aunt at all. It's a whole nother person, spiritual person, involved in the situation. They cannot operate in the material world except through possession. They seek to possess, and we're going to talk about that. How do people get possessed? And I want to talk about this word possession as well. I'm convinced, if you actually study this out, one-third, at least one-third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. When you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some, some theologians will say one-third. That's 33.3%. Some say it's closer to 50, 50%, and that's really true. When you read through the gospel account, you'll see Jesus went around teaching, 
He went around preaching, and he went around casting out demons. And you just see it left and right, left and right. And, and demons, I'm convinced that many people in the church are demonized. Christians can be demonized. And we'll talk about that through this series. And, and, and a lot of people don't understand that because they think of the word possession. And when they think of possession, they have this idea that you're going to be like the, the exorcist in that movie where your face turns green and, you know, your head's spinning around and you're like, well, that's not happening to me so that I'm, I'm not possessed apparently. But the Bible doesn't only teach possession. It actually uses the word demonized. That word demonized means simply influenced. So you're influenced by an unclean spirit in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The thing about demonization is that it doesn't manifest all the time. That a person can actually behave and function normally in normal society. They can be a mother who's kissing their children goodnight and making dinner and going on about their business. But there's a certain area of their life where that spirit manifests itself. Well, we wouldn't say that person's possessed, but they're biblically, the term that's used is they're demonized. They're influenced by a demon spirit. And I'll also say this too. If you're demonized, influenced by a demonic spirit, which I'll show you why I believe many people are, why why there is scriptural ground for it, we also have this idea that it makes a person a horrible, wicked, evil, rotten, you know, doing obscene, absurd things in dark places. No, that's not true. When you read the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that the people that Jesus was casting demons out of were ordinary people, ordinary men, ordinary women who had become demonized through some of these different areas that that I'll talk to you about in just a moment. Are you with me still? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other thing about demons is, is, again, they're seeking embodiment. The Bible says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's not just talking about the devil. And you need to understand this too. You're not, you know, people, everybody says, well, I'm fighting the devil. I'm fighting the devil. The devil's not God. He's not omnipresent. What that means is the devil can't be at uh, my house, the same time that he's at Vicky's house, the same time that he's at Miss Sarah's house, the same time that he's at Bryston's house, he's not God. He can't be everywhere at once. The, God can. The Bible says the glory of the Lord fills the earth. God can be. He can be here where two more gathered there will also be, and then he can also be in China at the same time. He's omnipresent, but the devil is not. So you have these evil spirits roaming around seeking whom they may devour. How did they do that? They're looking for an open door. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're lost, if you're a heathen. They are seeking for an open door to enter in through that door. Are you with me? You also have to understand this as well. Demons aren't people. They don't die. So every demon that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Those spirits didn't die when the people died 2,000 years ago. The same spirits that were alive then, that were around then, are still around on the earth today. 
They're still on the earth. And I'll talk to you about, well, how come we don't see people that are demonized getting delivered? And and I'm telling you, it's because we've relabeled everything. We try to medicate and suppress demonization instead of handling it the biblical way. You need to understand this facts about demons, okay? So again, they're seeking an open door. What are they trying to do? They're trying to carry out the goal of their master Satan, which is to go around to steal, to kill, to destroy. So what does a demon want in your life? To steal, to kill, to destroy. And demons have no mercy. They're not human beings. I know this is morbid. I know it's a bit graphic, but I want you to think, I was telling Wednesday night this, that a lot of us could never imagine doing something like taking an infant child that can't defend itself and putting their head under the water until all the life has completely gone out of them. We couldn't, nobody, I I know in this room, nobody in this room could conceive such a thing as that. Do you know why? Because we have mercy in us. Something in us would say, this is wrong. I cannot, there's just no way. doesn't matter how mad I am, I cannot do this. You know, nobody in this room could conceive, you know, somebody laying on the ground like a child, somebody helpless and defenseless, putting your foot over that, that child's head and just, you know, you couldn't imagine that. Demon spirits, the demonic, have no mercy whatsoever. They seek to steal, to kill, to destroy, to embody you. That's why when you see things like that, a little hocus pocus book, and I'll explain to you how that is such an open door. Demons aren't trying to get into your kids' lives in order to rattle their shades in the middle of the night and give them a little bit of a spook and have a funny story to tell their friends the next day at school. They're merciless. They want to kill, they want to steal, they want to destroy, they have no mercy, they have no shame. I see things like children, little baby infants, diagnosed with cancer, with tubes in their nose, and undergoing treatment, and something, it's just so wrong, it's so sick. I look at stuff like that, and it makes me sick, and I know that that's not the way that God made things to be. But that unclean spirit that's attached to a family that's causing those effects, which I'll get to that in just a moment, has no problem. Has no problem watching that child suffer, watching a family suffer. Are you with me? So those are some facts about demons. You need to understand this as well. Number two, there are different kinds. There's different kinds of spirits. Jesus said in Matthew 17, The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out, a demon? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Surely I say to you, if you had faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out. Say this kind. Say this kind. Come on, wake yourself up a little bit. Say this kind. This kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. So what does that tell you? That there are different kinds of demonic spirits. 
And not only are there different kinds, but as I read in Ephesians 6, there's actually different levels of demonic power. I'm going to read, I begin to dig into this, and this is interesting. I'm going to give you a quick summary, a list of 16 biblically named demon spirits in the Bible. There's 16 spirits in the Bible, demonic spirits specifically listed. I got this resource from public, uh, published by Oral Roberts University. So a credible source. If you've, if you've followed Oral Roberts' ministry in the past, a credible, tested, proven man of God. They, test, they, they published this, Oral Roberts University, the 16 different demonic spirits specifically mentioned in the Bible. Anybody that wants one of these after the service will have them available in the back. How many copies? 16? 10 copies. We can make more. But here's, here's a list of these. I'm not going to go over all the information. It gives you the name of the spirit, the manifestation of that spirit, and then all the scripture references to back it up. So there's a spirit of divination specifically listed. That's in Acts 16, 16 through 18. I'm not going to give you all the scriptures. Take one of these, read it after church, dig into it. A spirit of divination. What is the manifestations of it? It's fortune-telling, soothsaying, warlock, Satanist, witch, Wiccan, Druid, pagan, horoscopes, rebellious, hypnotist, enchanter, drugs, pharmacos. So in the scripture, you see people that have a spirit of divination and they're fortune-tellers. They're witches, they're warlocks, different times in the scripture. There's what's known as the familiar spirit, the manifestation, necromancer, medium, peeping, muttering, yoga, spiritualist, false prophecy, dreamers. Basically, this is a person that converses with the dead. When you go to a a person and they say, Give me $50 and we can conjure up the spirit of your husband and you can ask him any question that, you know, that passed away. That's, that's in the scripture examples. That's a familiar spirit. That's what's known as a familiar spirit. Are you with me? A spirit of jealousy listed in the scripture. You know, and that's kind of the thing about it is that when you hear some of these things, again, it's another person. There are people, listen to this, and let me kind of continue to teach. This is the spirit of jealousy. This is the manifestations of it. Murder, revenge, anger, jealousy, hatred, cruelty, strife, contention, competition, envy. They cause divisions. So it's like what comes on a person that they just, they just can't get away, stop doing these things. It's literally another person involved. They need to be delivered from the spirit. There's a lying spirit in the scriptures. Manifestations, strong deceptions, flattery, superstition, religious bondages, false prophecy, accusations, slander, gossip, lies, false teachers. There's a perverse spirit in the scriptures. What's a perverse spirit? Manifestation, broken spirit, evil action, atheist, abortion, child abuse, filthy mind, doctrinal error, sex perversions, twisting the word, foolish, chronic warrior, contentious, incest, pornography, different scriptures. That's a perverse spirit. There's a spirit of haughtiness. Manifestations, arrogance, smug, pride, idleness, scornful, strife, 
obstinate, self-deception, contentious, self-righteous, rebellion, rejection of God. There's a spirit of heaviness. Say heaviness. Excessive mourning, sorrow, grief, insomnia, self-pity, rejection, broken heart, despair, hopelessness, depression, suicidal thoughts, inner hurt, torn spirit, heaviness. You know, there's people... They can try every medication, every method, every means, and they're just depressed. They struggle with depression. What is that? A spirit, a a demonic spirit of heaviness. The spirit of whoredoms, the manifestation is unfaithfulness, adultery, spirit, soul, or body, prostitution, chronic dissatisfaction. You ever think about that? Somebody that just has a constant. We talked about how they eat and they're never satisfied. They're clothed, but they're never warm. Enough's never enough. A chronic dissatisfaction, never satisfied. The love of money, fortification, idolatry, excessive appetite, worldliness. That's the spirit of whoredom. Spirit of infirmity. Bent body, spine, impotent, frail, lame, asthma, hay fever, allergies, arthritis, weakness, lingering, disorders, oppression, cancer. That's the spirit of infirmity. Deaf and dumb spirit, deaf, mute, crying, down, drown, I'm sorry, tearing, blindness, mental illness, ear problems, suicidal, foaming at the mouth, seizures, epilepsies, burning, gnashing of teeth, spirit of bondage. Fears, addictions, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, food, etc. Fear of death, captivity to Satan, servant of corruption, compulsive sin, bondage to sin. There's a spirit of fear. Manifestation is fear, phobia, heart attacks, torments, horror, fear of man, nightmares, terrors, anxiety, stress, fear of death, untrusting doubt, seducing spirit. You got hypocritical lies, seared conscience. Attractions, fascinations by false prophets, signs and wonders, deceptions, wandering from the truth, fascination with evil ways, objects or persons, seducers, enticers. Spirit of Antichrist, it denies the deity of Christ, denies atonement against Christ and his teaching. Humanism, worldly speech and actions, teachers of heresies, Antichrist, deceiver, lawlessness, spirit of error. Error, unsubmissive, false doctrines, unteachable, servant of corruption, contentions, defensive, argumentative, new age, spirit of poverty. Bunch of different things on inside on the spirit of poverty. Lastly, the spirit of death. Manifestation, death and suicidal attempts. So there's different kinds of spirits in the Bible. Amen. We'll have that printed out for you after service if you want it. So again, some of the effects of of demons. Let's end with this today. Write some of these down here. This is some of the effects of demons. Again, what do demons do? They're seeking to possess. They're seeking for an open door. They're seeking to embody people. And what happens when one of these demons infiltrate your life? What happens when one of these 
unclean spirits infiltrates your family, your children, your grandchildren. What happens? Well, here's some of the biblical manifestations of demons. I know we just went through that list, but in Matthew 9, 25, verse 33, sorry, Mark 9, 30, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 9, 33. I got two scriptures back to back. So it says, Jesus went to cast out the demon and then the man began to speak. Crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened. Mark 9, 25, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit and said, listen, you evil spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and unable to speak. Was the demon just rattling his shades? No. The boy, a child, couldn't hear. He was deaf. He couldn't speak. What was wrong with him? The world would give him some kind of, you know, diagnosis and some pharmaceuticals and some therapy and all these other things, and it was actually an unclean spirit. Blindness, Matthew 12, 22. Then the demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Whoever thought that eye problems could be demonic at the source? Epilepsy, Matthew 17, 14 through 18. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, and a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. Seizures, say seizures. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Another version of the same story says the spirit throws him often into the fire into the water. Say suicide. That's a spirit of death. So I brought him to your disciples, but he couldn't heal them. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here. Then he rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Insanity. I'm not going to read the passage entirely, but in Mark 5, 1 through 18, it's the man with the legion of demons. The man was naked, like a madman living out in a graveyard, bound by chains, naked, cutting himself with stones. Even cutting him. What what makes teenagers want to self-mutilate? It's an unclean spirit. All forms of sickness and disease, as we listed again, the spirit of infirmity. Matthew 4, 23 through 24, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. The news about him spread as far as Syria, and soon people began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Chronic illness, the source of that's demonic. And again, you'll say, but there's a lot of Christians that battle with chronic illness. There's a lot of Christians that battle with hereditary illness. You mean to say I'm possessed by a demon? No, as I told you, possession isn't really the proper term. But the proper term is demonized. That means that there is a hold where an unclean spirit manifests in your life in some way, shape, or form. Torments. What is torments? In Matthew 15, 22, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. That word torment, it actually means aches and pains. 
Have you ever met somebody that's diagnosed with, with a disease that they walk around and they're just aching and there's like sharp shooting pain through their body all the time? There's different autoimmune diseases that do things like that. That was demonic in the scripture. Fear. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear and timidity is a spirit. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. The next part of this sermon is going to be the doors to demons. How do demons gain access to people's lives? I'll break down a few things, but that's one of the problems is put that spell book back up. We think that things are innocent. We think that they're cute. And the title of my sermon is Fellowship with Demons. One of the main doors that allows demons and unclean spirits into your life and into your family is by fellowshipping with them, coming into communion with them. And we read things like this, and we think that this is cute, this is innocent. In fact, you wouldn't believe I posted this on Facebook, and there's a lot of self-proclaiming Christians that got angry and said, John, you're being so, you know, you religious people, y'all just need to chill out. That was a cute movie. That was a good movie. That, you know, I, I, liked, I liked that when I was a kid. But can you imagine how many seven-year-old kids would pick up something like that and begin to read it and, and think it's cute, it's innocent? You know, you're basically praying a devil sinner's prayer. You're making a decree like we do in order to bring people into the faith. And then you sit there and think about that kid grows up and when they turn 25, 26 years old, they lose one child. They lose another child. They lose another child. What's going on? Why are we losing child? What, what is this death that seems to be plaguing our family? Well, death in the Bible is actually an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit of death. How did the spirit of death gain access into my life? Well, when you were six years old, you picked it up and you read from this book and you made this decree and you entered into fellowship. You gave access to a demonic spirit in your life. I know there was a good question posed, but demonic demons... They'll try to travel too, generationally. You see that. Generational curse, gener gener hereditary illnesses that we were talking about. And somebody said, but what about the Bible? You know, in Ezekiel, it says that the sins of the fathers will not be passed on to their children. No, I believe that 100%. But everything in the Bible is potentially. How many Christians do you know that die sick? Many. Is it because they weren't healed? No. They were healed, potentially, but they had to grab a hold of that atonement, right? When you, it's the same thing with, with all of it. When you get saved, I was talking to a member of our church. that They said, John, you don't understand. My mother, my grandmother, they were into witchcraft. That opens up a door that will affect your children, your children's children, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of death, the spirit of fear, a familiar spirit that comes and terrorizes your family and plagues your family. You can be free once you're saved. You can be completely free, potentially, but you have to break fellowship with that spirit. 
You know, just because you got, if you say, well, my great-grandfather was an alcoholic, my grandfather was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, and now I've struggled being an alcoholic. You know, you don't have, that spirit doesn't have to maintain the right in your life, but you have to learn how to sever fellowship with it. Because you could say all day, well, I'm a Christian, so... Even though I'm drinking alcohol and I'm obviously bound in this, that spirit has no place in my life. There has to be somebody rise up in in their generation where the buck does stop with them, where the same temptations, the same fellowship, the same access, it's cut off. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to end with this one thing here. Can y'all give me 10 minutes? I know you're like, I got to go. I had a baby this morning, okay? <laughs> if anyone has to go, it's me. But this is important. So we just talked about demons, their purpose, the different types of demons, the manifestation of once a demon comes in your life. And also, let me say this too about I'm not up here speaking condemnation. Uh, Again, I grew up watching all the movies. I grew up, I'm using the example of Hocus Pocus. I used to love that movie as a kid. But now that I'm born again, my eyes, I go back to look at something that I used to think was okay, and now the veil's removed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never saw that. But about a year ago, when Emberly was three, Season rolled around, all that stuff starts coming out, and, and I thought, you know, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll watch this little, I'm telling you, I just didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know the reality. I knew, well, I'm a Christian, you know, this is an innocent thing, no demon can gain access to my life, but I didn't understand this idea of fellowshipping with demons and how they really gain access into people's lives. Um, we sat down and began to watch this, this movie, Hocus Pocus. And we watched it for like five minutes, six minutes, and my wife was like, you know, I just don't feel right in my spirit about it. And the whole time, too, I'm sitting there like, I don't feel right in my spirit either. And I shut, I shut the movie off. Within a week, my daughter began to scream in the middle of the night at three years old. Daddy, 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 screaming. I'd go in there. She was having night terrors of a witch coven out in the field underneath a full moon and seeing these things and and she was three years old. She's never been to public school. She's never been exposed. She doesn't hang around. Who? And me and my wife, at this point, she was barely being able to talk. And we're asking her, What's, what are you seeing in these dreams? She starts telling us these things, and we're like, I, we're with you every day. You haven't been exposed to this level of understanding. Like, what's putting these thoughts on the inside of your head? It was a spirit. The next night, again, night terror, night terror. It happened for like a week. She had it two or three different times until finally me and my wife, we figured out what, you know, we we buckled down and we rebuked that and, and, and it lifted and it left, but we had to cut fellowship with it. So how did, how did demons gain access to people's lives? I'm going to give you two ways. I'll go over two quickly this morning with you. Number one, sin. Write this down. Number one, sin. Say sin. 
Luke 11, 24 through 26, Jesus told us actually the nature of the demonic. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Okay, so get this picture. A demon leaves a person. It goes out. It, it's searching for rest. It's searching for occupation. It's searching to possess. It's searching for embodiment. It finds none. And it says that it always returns back to the person in which it was sent from. And it, it comes back and it sees that the house is empty. And it says that it finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. That also gives you another fact about demons. A person can have more than one demonic spirit. And that person is worse off than before. So the demon leaves. It tries to come back. Here's the question. What allows a spirit access to come back? What was the wide open door? That when that spirit left, that it was able to come right back and go right through that door back into that house. What was it? Look at John 5, 14. Afterwards, Jesus found, he healed a man. He found him in the temple and told him, now that you are well, stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Say even worse. What's the even worse? Look, the spirit, that infirmity that went out, it's gone. But if it comes back and there's a wide open door, something even worse, what's the even worse? The seven spirits more wicked than the first come in and reoccupying the same person and the person's left in worse condition. So what was his solution? Stop sinning. Say stop sinning. You need to understand that sin opens the door to allow demons to possess and occupy you. A lot of people understand the givens, right? Sin. Well, I understand if I go running around having sex with people, I understand how that could open the door to demons, which I'm going to talk about that this next week in length, that that is one major door is sex to opening doors to demons. I'll show you through the scripture. You may say, well, if I run around and, and I'm stealing and I'm killing people and, you know, I couldn't understand if I ran around murdering people, how that would open doors. No, those are just the human sins, the ones that we think is worse. But if we really looked in light of the scripture, what is sin? Did you know that lying is a sin? Did you, could you, could you know this, that if you go around, there's a temptation. Once you're born again, there's a temptation to lie. There's a temptation that comes and it's unseen, it's unheard. It's a, it's a force that comes that tries to get you to just, you're talking to somebody and you just start telling little lies. You lie about this, you lie about that. Sin opens the door for the demonic. Did you know you could open up a door to a spirit in your life by being a liar? Idolatry is a sin. Hatred. Well, you know, I'm not a murderer, John. Yeah, but Jesus said if you hate somebody, you're a murderer in your heart. 
You know, the, the devil will do that. He'll send somebody to offend you, to hurt you, to be so horrible, horrible and wicked and mean to you. And what he'll try to do is, is tempt you and get you to come into agreement and compromise to that temptation where now you, you have hatred in your heart and you open the door to hatred. Guess what? Now you've entered into sin and it's a wide open door for that spirit to come and occupy you. In fact, there's a lot of people, when you study different deliverance ministries, they couldn't get free until they forgave. It's like, what's causing this this person full out demonized, manifesting? And they're trying to get free, and they wouldn't get free until they forgave their stepfather, until they forgave their mother, until they forgave this person, ex-spouse, hatred. Lust, which pornography, I'll, I'll mention that too, if not this week, next week. But So sin, say sin. And I'm going to give you this point and we're going to be done here. I laughed, Becca told me the other night, John, you always say that. Last point, last point, last point. Doors to demons, here's, here's the big one, Okay. I didn't know this. And this is what I'm going to spend the next two weeks talking about thoroughly. How do demons gain access to people's lives? They do it through fellowship and association. Fellowship and association. Satan uses media. By media, I mean Hollywood. I mean movies. I mean TV. I mean music. I mean games. Satan uses movie, music, games, Hollywood, media. Satan uses traditions like Halloween. Satan uses things like drugs and alcohol to get you into fellowship with demons. Look at Ephesians 5, 3 through 14. And and in fact, let's just read verse 11 through 14 in Ephesians 5. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 11. It says, look at actually verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part. Say, take no part. How much part? No part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them for the light that makes everything visible. Uh, This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So take no part. If you read that in another translation, the Amplified, for example, it says, Take no part... And have no fellowship, say fellowship. Have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. Take no part in darkness. Have no fellowship with darkness. And I'm telling you that this is the main way that demons infiltrate church people's lives, their kids, is through this fellowship. Take no part, have no fellowship. What is the word fellowship? It's the Greek word means this to be partakers, to partake. Say to partake. 
Do not partake of darkness. It means to co-participate. Do not participate in darkness. It means to share in the company with. Do not share in the company of darkness. So again, say partake. What a lot of people don't understand is they say, well, Brother John, I'm not in my room with a Ouija board conjuring up demons, but through the TV shows that you're watching and the music that you're listening to and the different things that you're partaking of a demonic spirit. You're entering into fellowship with it. You know, I'll give you some examples of this. I've never seen this, but this year, my eyes were open. As I was walking through the Lufkin Mall, there's a store that pops up once a year. It's called the Spirit of Halloween. It's not even hidden anymore. Say the Spirit. There's a Spirit that's behind it. And in fact, next week, I'll have a video for you, a five-minute video, of an ex-warlock Satanist talking about Halloween and how he is just blown away that Christians are letting their kids participate, and he kind of peels the curtain back on some of the stuff that's going on. He's like, you don't even understand what you're fellowshipping with, what you're partaking of. The spirit of Halloween. Y'all, and I'm going to get a little bold, but I've really begun to think about this. I'm going to show you this next week a plethora of scriptures of how Paul talked about it again and again, to come out and be ye separate, to have no communion with it whatsoever. That word communion, it literally means sexual intercourse. To have no communion with the deeds of darkness. You know that when you have sexual intercourse, the Bible says the two become one. So when you're partaking, when you're fellowshipping with that spirit, what's actually happening? You're becoming one with it. It means to contribute. Say contribute. This will blow your mind. Maybe, Maybe not. It did me. But we just think, right, well, that's just a story, the spirit of Halloween. That's just simple. That's just cute. That's, that's nothing really bad. You wouldn't think that going in and participating, oh, I'm going to go buy a scream mask for my 10-year-old kid. What's happening? Your fellowship, you're partaking of something. You're contributing to something, and, and, and it opens the doors to demonic spirits. If you ever go on the outside of a liquor store, what do you see? Beer, wine, and what? Say spirits. Spirits. When you see somebody that's been drunk with spirits, you'll hear the term many times. They literally become another person. It's like, wow, that person got drunk and all of a sudden they got violent. Man, they're the nicest, kindest person you've ever met. But whenever they got drunk, when they begin to drink, they they got violent, they got angry, or they were so shy and reserved, and all of a sudden they're drinking, and now they're, they're, they're spitting out pickup lines, and they're being sexual, and they're being crude. And it's like they become a completely different person. And in fact, that's the definition of a demon. It's a disembodied person. You're actually seeing the manifestation of another person. Say alcohol. You know, this was interesting. Cigarettes. I, I, I didn't even know this, and the Lord showed it to me. There's actually a brand of cigarette called what? The American spirit. The American spirit. Say spirit. 
Oh, no, we don't want to start touching the... I know in East Texas, you start talking about dipping and smoking and Christians are... You're, you're partaking. You're watching horror movies. People, it always the same way. When I was a kid, I would beg my mom, let me watch those movies. They don't scare me. There's a spirit of fear. There's a spirit of death. There's a spirit of perversion. Because nowadays, horror movies, they're not just horror movies. They're also pornography at the same time. People that watch pornography, there's a spirit of murder and perversion. I told the Wednesday night crowd this. I said, you know, they've interviewed serial killers, and they've asked them the question. Serial killers that have done the most horrifying, gruesome, morbid things. You know, kill somebody, chop them up, put them in a freezer. I know that sounds graphic, but it's true. And they've asked them, where did, where did all of this start? When did you start doing this? It's not normal. You didn't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to kill somebody and, and cut them into pieces. That, how did that start? And all of them that were cognitively able to trace it back said it started with pornography. Every one of them. Even before the videos, they said even when it was just the magazines, it all started with pornography. And they said, how did it start with pornography? And they said, because when the pornography, you begin to see a person as an object and not a human being. When you watch pornography, you're looking at a person as an object and not a human being. And now that that person's an object and they're not a human, they're just an object of your pleasure. You can do whatever you want with it. Are you with me? So what's the spirit behind pornography? Murder, perversion. We wonder why these teenagers are getting guns and going to schools and shooting up places and doing these horrible things, but why Christians are fellowshipping with demon spirits. Hallelujah. I'm going to end with that today, and and we're going to pick up some more because there's so much more I want to go in depth about. I'm going to do it next week. Will you guys pray with me, and we'll pray and and close this service out? Hopefully this began to set a foundation for you, understanding the demonic, breaking off curses off of your life, shutting doors. I pray that through this, you may identify a, a trap the enemy's setting for your own children or grandchildren, and that you'd be able to cut ties with that thing, foil the enemy's plan. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and just pray with me, and we'll close out service today. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word. It's powerful. Come on, church, I want you to pray with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us revelation so that we can be set free and break those ties. That we won't have to be plagued with miscarriage in our family. We won't have to be plagued with disease. We won't have to be plagued with death. We won't have to be plagued with torments of the enemy. That the spirit of death will have no place in our households as it did even in mine. But, Lord, you delivered me. 
Father, I pray that you would show us through your word and give us a holy conviction to do what you said to come out and truly be ye separate from these things, to cut ties, to end fellowship, and to be a people that are set apart for the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, for many people that have struggled receiving healing in their body, I pray that through this series you would give them, maybe there's a, there's a door. There's a door that's giving an unclean spirit legal right, legal access because of their consent and they're continually going back and drawing from this well and, and they have an open door of fellowship. And so that's why when they can receive prayer, they can get hands laid on them, they can decree all these things and nothing ever changes because the spirit just goes out and comes right back through the same revolving door because it's never been shut. I pray, Lord, this ain't something we can just microwave. I pray that you would give us a deep conviction and understanding. Open the light, the eyes of our heart. Shed light on the truth so that we can be free. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. We're going to be totally free. Hallelujah. Free from the enemy. Free from unclean spirits. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.